Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. The woman riding out in front of the French Bike Club group ride, leading the way, is named Jeanette. She is 86 years old. My friend and wise teacher, Sylvia Borstein, rides with her whenever she's visiting. She just turned 85. I find their ages alone inspiring, but this is not a story about their ages. This is a lesson from Jeanette, who one fine bay, looking back to check out the riders behind her, skidded against a curb, was thrown from her bike, and broke her leg in three places. She was in a cast for three months. Sometime later, Sylvia asked Jeanette if she feels anxious about riding through the roundabout where the accident happened. No, Jeanette answered, I, I try not to think about it and I pay more attention to the curb. And look, I had to have this pedal built up because my leg is shorter now, otherwise I couldn't balance. This way I get to go out with the club again and that's what I want to do. It's not a big deal. You just have to figure out what you can do so you can keep on going. So that's the whole sermon. You just have to figure out what you can do so you can keep on going. The rest is commentary. The generations who came before us proffer many lessons in survival. My friends Ruth and Peter Fleck, now of blessed memory, fled the Nazi invasion of Holland. They arrived in the United States with almost nothing. At an especially perilous time in this country's political history, I remember asking Ruth, what should I do? Ruth didn't hesitate. She answered, just keep doing what you're doing. So maybe that's a kind of koan, a puzzle for us. What is it that we're doing now that's enabling us to keep on going? Some of you sent me your one wild word this week. Thank you. Mine is serve. Yours are Nature, connections, patience, acceptance, compassion, simplify, serving, clean, transcendence, fresh air, incarnate, quiet, receive, peace, protect, kintsugi, reframe, reach, gratitude, community, blossom, nurture, persevere, laugh. These are just beautiful. Living into our one wild word during this time is one way to keep going. Sylvia Borstein tells another story. Her friend Martha's brother Jack was very sick. There was really nothing anyone could do. Sylvia was sitting at her computer thinking about Jack, distracted from writing, and she knew suddenly that she needed not to keep doing what she was doing. She writes, I closed the computer, I lit a candle, I sat in my rocking chair and looked out the window. I thought about Jack and his children and grandchildren. 
I thought about Martha in her 60s, who often described herself as Jack's baby sister, and about Martha's mother, almost 90, facing the loss of her son. Pretty soon I find myself thinking about other people I know who are suffering. I think good wishes for them, individually, for as long as I can keep up, and then collectively when I realize my list is enormous. I say the phrases that are part of the Buddhist metta or loving-kindness practice, which end with, may all beings everywhere be happy and peaceful and come to the end of suffering. I felt better, Sylvia continues. I looked at the few late summer flowers still blossoming outside my window. I thought about how fragile all life is and how quickly it passes. I was glad to be alive. I thought about my family and friends who were well and felt fortunate. I prayed that they would thrive. I wished everyone I could think of well. I felt peaceful and happy. My heart feels better in relationship, Sylvia concludes, and I love that my heart reminded me, turn off the computer, light a candle, pay attention. I thought about how easily my mind forgets what it knows, how easily it falls into confusion and out of caring connection. None of this is about avoiding confusion because we can't. It's about becoming unconfused and restoring connection because that really is the best way to live. You just have to figure out what to do so you can keep on going. Let's back up a little. What is it that stops us in our tracks? For starters, as a species, life in a body is uncomfortable. We're always looking for ways to feel better. Take a minute to thumb through a magazine. Just riffle the pages and stop at the ads. They all come back to improving on whatever we're experiencing right here, right now. But in fact, there is no permanent cure for discomfort. Life in a body with all its needs is uncomfortable. In 1969, NASA astronaut Rusty Schweikert made the first spacewalk without an umbilical. Every word of his description is anointed. But I always remember especially what he said about coming back to Earth. Here it is. Down you come into the atmosphere. As you come back in, you experience deceleration. It seems as though you're under incredible pressure. You know that you're experiencing at least four Gs, four times the force of gravity. And you say, Jim, he is speaking to fellow astronaut Jim Lovell, Jim, what is it now? And he says, two-tenths of a G. By the time you reach four or five Gs, he concludes, you begin to realize the burden that humankind has lived under for millions of years. Life in a body can be hard. Life under gravity is almost unbearable. Life stops us in our tracks. When it comes right down to it, the instructions in meditation are simply stay. Stay with what you're experiencing. If you're seated on a cushion, it's sit, stay. Taking our meditation up off the cushion and out into the world, the instructions are pay attention, stay. 
the more we train in staying with whatever our discomfort is, physical, emotional, spiritual, the more we understand what it is to be human. It goes against the grain to be present, to stay present. All of us derive comfort from the imaginary world of memories and fantasies and plans, but the more we practice staying and the more we stay, noting that gentleness and a sense of humor can give us the strength to settle down, the more we build steadfastness and resiliency, and the more we run from it, whatever it is, the more it will pursue us. My friend Jim had a recurring nightmare that he was being pursued. Running, 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 his heart pounding. He could hear someone closing in on him, something faceless and horrifying, intent on destroying him. Night after night, he would awaken in a cold sweat, trying to scream. It was terrifying. And then one night, dreaming the same terrible dream, suddenly he stopped. He stopped in his tracks and turned around to face his monster, eyes wide open. He found himself looking into a mirror, gazing at his own reflection. He woke up. You just have to figure out what to do so you can keep on going. Let's get really granular here. If we're feeling immobilized, it is critically important to back away from always and never thinking. Shorten that horizon, come right into the present and consider a single next step. Some 500 years before the common era, Confucius, that paragon of Chinese sages said, the one who moves a mountain begins by carrying away small stones. This summer on the morning that my friend and I opened her deceased mother's bookshop to begin to imagine how we were going to offload 30,000 books in the middle of a pandemic, I heard Confucius's words ringing in my ears. How do you move a mountain? Begin by carrying away small stones. And you know how I feel about so-called multitasking. It's not really possible. At any given moment, we're either doing one thing or we're doing another. When we switch between tasks, the science tells us it takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to regain our concentration. When we focus on one stone at a time, the mountain will move. Another way, another important way to keep on going is to move ourselves. If you can get outside to walk or roll, great. If you can exercise, even better. But even changing our vantage point, even moving to another room, can change our mental point of view. Refresh your vision. Maybe the hardest thing about getting ourselves unstuck is to commit to a schedule. Just this. What small stone? Are you going to move today?
Structure is really important to our sanity. If we have a routine, a ritual in place, then even in those days when we question our sanity, we'll still know the next best thing to do. One of the biggest challenges of the pandemic has been the disruption of our usual ways of doing so much of what we do. Get even one thing into the calendar every day that puts you in touch with others and one thing that brings you joy. If you're lucky, those are one and the same. And don't fool yourself into thinking your stuckness is unique. Talk about it and you'll be amazed at how many people have been there before you. I'm thinking of another Sylvia Borstein story in which she's at the airport and the young couple behind her is bickering about whose fault it is that they're late. By the looks of their bag, they're headed off on a vacation. Their disagreement is getting loud and Sylvia is very tempted to intervene. If you've never met her, picture a little gray-haired grandmother. She muses, I had a momentary impulse to turn around and say, listen to me, it doesn't matter one bit whose fault it is. Either you'll be in time for your flight or you won't. And if you miss this flight, there will be others. What's more, you don't know that this flight is the best one to be on. Perhaps this one will have engine trouble and the next one will arrive safely. Relax, you're ruining the beginning of a holiday with a useless skirmish. At this point in the story, I'm rooting for Sylvia to speak up, if only to imagine the looks on their faces. At any rate, she proceeds through security, and on the other side, she's gathering up her carry-on, and the couple just in front of her, having made it through the TSA screening unscathed, pauses to kiss and exchange a quick hug. She says, right in the middle of getting redressed. Sylvia continues, then I thought, I should call the attention of the arguing folks behind me to the kissing folks in front of me. Look, I could tell them, here is another possibility. In fact, there are two possibilities, at least two in any moment. You can kiss or you can fight. Kissing is better at any one of us, any moment. Any of us might be a fighter or a kisser. Each of us can make things harder or we can make them easier. You just have to figure out what to do so you can keep on going. I return now to astronaut Rusty Schweikert re-entering our atmosphere under that tremendous crush of gravity. Here's what he says. As you look out the window, you see your, heart sh your heat shield trailing out behind you in little bright particles flaking off. The whole atmosphere behind you glowing, this glowing sheath sort of corkscrewing back up towards space. And finally, you slow down enough so that all of the bright lights outside the window, the fireball that you've been encased in, have dissipated. You throw the next to last switch and it goes pop and the parachutes, the drag chutes come out and you slow down to a couple of hundred miles an hour and then you throw one more switch and pop out go the main chutes and splash, you're on the surface of the Atlantic and there are people circling around in helicopters and ships. You're back in humanity again. It's an incredible feeling. Maybe in the end, in the beginning and in the end, that's how we keep on going. We remember that we're in humanity against all odds. Even when we're apart, we're together. 
and we all just keep on going. I close with one of my favorite poems by Austrian poet Rainer Mario Rilke. It's called God Speaks to Each of Us. And if you'd like, in the first stanza, you could substitute the word love for God. I'll read it both ways. God speaks to each of us as God makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. Love speaks to each of us as love makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing, embody me. Flare up like flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Our benediction is from Emma's revolution. Going to keep on moving forward. Going to keep on moving forward. Going to keep on moving forward. Never turning back. Never turning back. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Please visit ASCBoston.org.
for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.